I feel good. I see a puck well, you know, like I'm a little bit reset my mind. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's hard to talk about result, yeah. But we have what we have heads up and uh, keep working. Yeah, it was great. Um, obviously, made a couple massive saves for us throughout the game. Um, it was great to hear the fans chant his name and give him the love he deserves. It's the best I, I thought he's looked all season, just in terms of how he's tracking the puck and some of the saves look like the Sammy that uh, you know that we've come that we came to know last season. Uh, so I think this is a positive step for him, and obviously disappointing results. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Ilya Samsonov returning to the Toronto Maple Leafs goal yesterday and took the loss, but you know what? So what? Kinda. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. It was Quite fine. The he, tact. He, he made some saves, which is more than can be said uh, more often than not. Mm-hmm. More the man with like the 860 save percentage this season. Uh, okay, he had an 870 yesterday. Made 20 saves on 23 shots. He was not the reason the Maple Leafs lost the hockey game 4-2, an empty netter in there for the Detroit Red Wings as they find themselves just a point up on the Red Wings for third in the Atlantic Division. So where are we with Samsonov then? Like, is he back? Like, is he is he now the the backup, like, like playing true backup minutes? Is he just like the, oh, do we break glass in only back-to-back situations and, and put Samsonov back in there? Where, where are, how, do, how is he deployed going forward after a return to action? Here's where we're at. He gets one more. That was a... It was almost like you stood him up and he's like a new child learning to walk. And it's like, he didn't start walking all over the place, but it didn't immediately fall down either. You see it, how it can go again. I think that is where we are at. We are on a very much a day to day situation with Samsonov here. He did well enough to get himself another start. I don't think you're going out of your way to give him a start, but guess what? You don't have to, because for some reason, this team's going to play another back to back on, on Sunday. Uh, coming coming up here. So I just look at it and say, that's when you'll see him deployed next. If Martin Jones stubs his toe in a big, big way, maybe you can look to giving him the first half of that. But I quite frankly, you know, I I don't think that'll happen because he'll be grading on a curve. If he stubs his toe tomorrow against the Oilers, it's like, ah, you put up six again, or you let up six against the Oilers. That's like three or four on a, on a regular team. So that's how I look at it is he did enough to keep himself here, but it's far from reassuring for me or anything along those lines. What about you? Um, Joseph Wall's also potentially going to make the trip to Alberta, which doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to play in one of these games or even that the Maple Leafs think it's a possibility that he's going to play in these games. But it doesn't also rule that out, Mm. that that he is skating. I'd be be shocked. It would be a a pretty aggressive timeline. Now, the back-to-back is Hockey Day in Canada against Vancouver and then the next day against Martin Jones' former club, the Seattle Kraken. You were big on getting Martin Jones those starts Mm. in California against his former franchise. This is the most recent team that he played for. Mm -hmm. In Seattle, where yeah. he had a good record and a bad save percentage. Yeah, I uh, I look at those things as very, very different. A guy who had a near-decade-long run where he went to a Stanley Cup final versus a guy who happened to 10-goal for an expansion team uh, for, for a brief period of time. So I don't look at that as Mart- you owe Martin Jones anything. Mm-hmm. I did feel differently about it against the Sharks games, and it was also what you'd seen out of Samsonov. I don't think, again, Samsonov didn't do anything to make me feel much better, but it allowed him to get back to a... Uh, a, le- a backup level of confidence for me. He is now, to me, yeah. a kind of normal, not a 1A, 1B, 
but a normal backup where you go, okay, let's see how this goes tonight. That's I, where I'm at on Saturday. I agree. Tonight. And to get to that place, you you did have to change my perception of okay. you. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, so we're at at the baseline bare minimum uh, for a player who is the highest paid goaltender uh, within this organization by a factor of, of a, more than a couple because you got a couple mm-hmm. of guys making less than a million bucks who have outplayed him by a, an extreme margin. But yeah, to, to be a guy that you're like, Okay, it's not the worst thing in the world if he starts in the back end of back-to-backs against a Kraken team on Sunday. Yeah, that's that's a lot different than the guy that we saw in Columbus, in Buffalo, mm-hmm. more than a few times this season. So that's that's where I'm at with him. If, if Joe Wall isn't ready to, to, to return, which I don't think, like, you don't get aggressive with the timeline mm-hmm. for a guy who... I think, barring a trade, and maybe Elvis Merzlikens is the guy that you're mm. looking at. With the, and we'll talk to Frank Saravelli about that later on in the program. But uh, barring that type of trade, Joseph Wall is going to be the guy that you're pinning your hopes yep. on is because of the higher ceiling than Martin Jones at this point. If that's the ultimate plan, anyways, you just do, you run Martin Jones out there until he can't hack it, and you cross your fingers that that Ilya Samsonov has found something that he's good enough to start on the back end of back to backs in Seattle. Yep. Uh, in baseball, we have the Mendoza line. I think with Leafs backup goaltending, we should have the Hutchison line, and it is not a numerical line, but it's... it is just how I feel emotionally. And uh, no, he but the dropped... bar is well above. It has to be somebody who you're yeah. like, oh, is no, no, that no. guy good enough? No, no, I understand. That's where we ultimately want. You to can't get be to. below the Hutchison line. There, well, the, like, you... Hutchison, there, there's a that's the, the Hutchison floor. You don't think so? The guy who got sent to the minors I, with a did, with an eight sixty something mm, save percentage. You I, didn't have him below the Hutchinson line because I were certainly close. I certainly did. And guess what? He just barely crept above it yesterday. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I, I view those guys as below some other line. We should use some other line mm-hmm. that is not Michael Hutchison to delineate between no, NHL no, we'll and get non-NHL there. There's steps to this. We'll get there. All right. I need to have a think on it. Maybe it's an Eric Schalgren line. That's better. Yeah. All right. Let's talk to uh, Gord Stelic. Uh, our Leafs uh, analyst here on uh, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. How's it going, Gordo? Gordo. Uh, yeah, I got I got no line for Samsonov. I don't know what to say, but anyway. <laughs> you don't know what to say? That's not good. But... <laughs> Is he fixed? I was happy for him. It's like your kid's in goal. He's like your kid, <laughs> and you were happy. He played great last night. I mean, I mean, and he really did. But what does that mean about turning the corner or anything? I, I mean, uh, obviously, obviously you're not there yet, but at least it could have been a disaster, so... Good on him at the 11th hour and 59th minute, uh, uh, getting a stay of execution. Yeah. Okay. So that's where you're at then, right? Like, it, you, where where would you put him in the pecking order? How would you view the the, the Leafs goaltending situation with Joseph Wall? I guess nearing a return, maybe going on the, on the road trip. Martin Jones doing nothing to dissuade us from the opinion that he's he's more than capable of of taking the net here for at least a couple of weeks span. Um, where are you on just? The overall sense of the Maple Leafs goaltending after seeing Ilya Samsonov for the first time in a couple of weeks. Well, I mean, it may sound like basic, but at least they can start him in another NHL game. Like right. last night, I don't know if he was so. So I feel that okay if he's in the mix for another start, whatever, and see, great. Uh, Martin Jones has been. And we've talked about it before, and and I saw someone wrote about it Sunday. Like you know, all the big name free agents, he's the best free agent signing they made in the off season. He saved their ass. You know, it just has. I mean, whether you thought it was a Band-Aid solution, but he's been better than that, so that's huge. And, uh, again, you know, Joe Wall's health coming back would be, that's the guy, that's the guy you believe in. They even still talk about Matt Murray as a possibility. Again, so you're talking about uh, a sea of unprovenness. And if you, you know, if Elvis leaves the building in Columbus, don't let him in the building in Toronto, okay? That's another one. Like, you know, it's just it's a, it's a sea of unprovenness and goal. 
And uh, that's what will take it into the playoffs. And hopefully it's a healthy Joe Wall in the playoffs or a, or a Martin Jones that can play like, you know, the, the Vegas goaltenders did last year. You know, you know, those guys, I don't know, whatever. But I'm, it's, it's, it's worrisome with Joe Wall hurt, but uh, I'm okay riding it for now. Yeah, it certainly is, and I think we'll all be on, uh, you know, waiting on bated breath to a certain extent to see what version of Wall we get when he comes back, right? Because this is a guy who's playing really well, but it's been a long, long layoff for him. And you know, I don't, I'm not pouring dirt on the guy, far, far from it. But you just hope he can refine that form because it's far from a uh, a certainty. We've, Gord, you and I have had so many conversations over the years about Keith and his propensity to kind of switch up the lines, really juggle things up. I don't think he's done that much this season, but boy, he did in a big, big way heading into last night game Tavares on a line by himself Marner paired up with Domi and then Nylander and Matthews with of all people Holmberg on the top line what did you make uh, of the new look Leaf lines and what do you think it says about about where this team is at or where Sheldon Keefe is at that we're seeing the the shake up in such a big way I think the coach doesn't like where this team is at and he's got very good reason I mean he, uh, I, you're Saturday kind of saying okay four game win streak Two against the worst team in the NHL in San Jose. Anaheim not far behind them. And, I mean, it was a great road win in Los Angeles, but Los Angeles playing their worst hockey of the year. So then you blow a two-goal lead against the Islanders. Then you blow a three-goal lead against the Colorado Avalanche. You think this is the challenge the one time they visit, the Stanley Cup champions from two years ago. You know, Nathan McKinnon, bring it on. You know, you know best against best, whatever. And you have a 3 nothing lead. And you don't, you don't do the simple basics. You, you know, whatever that that it takes to win hockey games, to complete hockey games. So he's pissed off, and he should have been. And it, it was interesting he mentioned Nylander by name because there were you know others he could have. But I think kind of hey, let's put the contract behind us. It wasn't like a resentful thing. It's just hey, let's get back to focus what's on the ice. And so he basically said, you know, those guys didn't show up. So yesterday he had the lines all mixed up, you know, as much providing opportunities for some of the guys that like Holmberg that he felt would play well, and also sending a message and again they blow a lead hmm. and and they blow a lead to a team that uh you know if you're coaching kids hockey you want your you know sometimes you want your kids there too early i used to find but anyway and the other team just shows up uh, one minute before the game <laughs> and you get a lead on them <laughs> and you blow it hmm. yeah it does seem like a, a growing trend that this maple Leafs team has uh, has blown uh, more than its fair share of leads john Tavares was Basically bench for the third period of that Avs game, and well, he was a minus two yesterday uh, on a line without any of the other core four forwards. Uh, what have you made of, of his play recently and the season as a whole? Man, the shooting percentage is the lowest of his entire career. Power play production is basically non-existent. Where he made so much of his bones a season ago. Where are you on John Tavares right now? Well, he's your core four. <laughs> he's a reality. Is yeah. uh, you're citing exactly that? Yeah, he would be. I think the first to admit that. Yeah, if you're uh, looking at years, this is not one of the better ones, to say the least. And uh, uh, so he better be one of those guys that's good enough to uh, minimally get you in the playoffs. Uh, should be home ice advantage, although they don't seem to take it uh, take advantage of home ice advantage in the past in the playoffs. So yeah, I mean he's he's he's, he's it, you know Willie Nylander's sort of been the uh, uh, not taking anything from Austin Matthews, but Willie had sort of been the guy that showed he's at a new level, and that's been the story more the first half of the season. A lot of it, you know, because of the contract situation. And you know, John Tavares, even a couple of times he's had great seasons, though. Ben, it, it's been quiet. You know what I mean? You don't. Know, it's geez, true. Jeez, you know, he's got 47 goals. I didn't even notice. You know, or whatever it may be. So yeah, no. I mean, I mean, it's like a lot of the team right now. I mean, the team's a little. There's no injuries. 
I know the goaltender. They're not missing Kyle Connor. They're not. They're not missing Jack Hughes. You know, John you know. Klingberg's out for the year, Gord. How okay, dare I you? About that. Thank I goodness. Corrected. Oh wait, I, I didn't say that out loud. But, Sorry. But but you know we like we said like last year by December you knew they're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. By January you knew they were playing on the road against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And now boy, you know you lose three games. I know you got. I know you got an overtime point against the Islanders. And take a look at the playoffs. It ain't yeah. comfortable. It ain't gets crowded. Yeah. Okay. Do you think they could miss the playoffs? Oh my God. Well, yes, but no. I'm gonna say no. But you know, <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna play this game, right, play with fire by being here. And I'm not saying they're doing this on purpose, but if this is where you are coming down towards game 82, you know, it's like a game of bumper cars, and it doesn't take much to get bumped just to the side. I mean, that's that's not a game you want to play. I mean, Florida Florida played it to the last second last year, and then went all the way. And if that's the recipe, great. I mean, if that keeps you sharp. Games number seventy-five to eighty-two. Maybe that's a positive, but it's not. It's not a game you want to play. But I'm still. I. I. I can't fathom they won't be in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, we go all the way back to the 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 year everything shut down. It felt like they were maybe going to be in tough to get in or or tougher that year. But otherwise, it's always looked hairy at different points throughout the season. But they're pretty comfortably in by the time it's all all said and and done. You know, obviously, uh, you know Ben and I mentioning Klingberg there. The idea of his money, it's still sitting out there on on LTIR. When do you think we get the trade? I think we're all sitting and waiting for, and how much, I mean, I know part of it is that it takes two to tango. Obviously you need another a willing seller in order to make a trade, especially if it's one that you're buying on, but how much do you think the lack of trade movement from a lease perspective is also Treliving still trying to figure out to a certain extent what this lease team is? Cause I mean, we've seen a 10 game stretch where they're as good as anybody in the NHL. And we've had the weekend that we just had where we talk about them blowing leads in, in back-to-back games. So, how much of you think the the lack of a trade is is Treliving still trying to figure out what exactly he's got here? Well, you should know by now, and I think the more the bigger thing is what is what this Leaf team isn't, because that's where you're if you're focusing making a trade, that's what's especially important that you're addressing where it is lacking. And you know, I know we love trades, but you know these sexy deals. And, and granted, both players were injured. You know, Ryan O'Reilly and then Nick Foligno. But you know. They haven't amounted to anything. You know, trade deadline. Luke Shen was as good a trade deadline pickup. Oh, he was so good, Gord. Can they get him again, please? No, probably not. Well, not with his contract, right? I mean, he probably would be available. I know he's been hurt. But, uh, but just you know, we get we get swayed in by the sexiness. Like, okay, that trade deadline guy's coming. You know, whatever may be. And no, it's it's not. It's it's these guys that are going to be the difference makers. The others, whatever happens, and everyone does it, if you're in the playoffs, you add a spice or so or two, uh, that's what you're going to do. But it's this group that, you know, finally beat up on the weaker opponents four games straight and then went back to seemingly being disinterested in what it takes to close out hockey games, uh, that, uh, which is perplexing, and that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, in the Saturday game, especially stands out again against a, a team that is a legitimate contender, a, a cup champion from a, a couple of years ago, has a couple of star players and yeah, Sheldon Keefe making a pointed comment in praise of the Avalanche talking about the McKinnon line when he was out there with Kale McCarr looking like it was a league above the NHL where, you know, there's been few and far between moments where this this Leaf team has looked like that against good Opposition also on Saturday, Austin Matthews gets cross-checked into the end boards there, Gord, and and yeah, it's been a topic of conversation ever since. It's it doesn't cost the Leafs that game. Sheldon Keep didn't take the fine that Darko Royakovich did the week prior. What did you make of the tact? 
Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it should have been a two, okay. But every game there's stuff that should have been a two is not called. And again, it's the old thing about was there um, uh, the appropriate response? And you can argue it wasn't, right? Now, in, in a case, uh, uh, you want to take a minor penalty in a, cl- in a close game like that and whatever, so you could debate all that. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it reared its ugly head like that one time against Boston, but uh, it's part of, you know, again, it's part of the game. I've seen the team have the appropriate response much more often since that Boston game, what it takes. So uh, a, a little bit, a little bit hard to gauge. It would have been, you know, if someone was close by and it was an instantaneous uh, reaction on behalf of Austin Matthews, um, you know, but anyway, that's, uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, I, I tend to agree on that uh, with you on that. I was frustrated in the moment, but you look who's out there. It's Gregor, it's Marner, and, you know, I forget who's on the blue line, but uh, short of it being Jake McCabe, I don't know that it's going to matter, uh, or, or Benoit, I don't know that it's going to matter too too much. You know, I think the, the thing that is interesting to me, and, you know, I'm as guilty of driving opinion as anybody else. I'm sitting here doing a morning show, but, you know, in years past, Gord, you and I have been sitting there watching this Leafs team beat the wheels off the avalanche. I forget if it was 8-1 or 8-2 when they rolled into town a few years ago. They went into Colorado. I want to say it was right before a New Year's Eve, and they took care of business in a big way. And it feels like oftentimes when that happens, we go, all right, well, you just throw that game away. I mean, clearly the avalanche didn't have it tonight. You know, their stars can't be stars every night. But when it's that that game in the inverse where you say, yeah, the Leafs stars were not as good as the avalanche, but I've seen them take it to those guys. It does feel like we just tend to, you know, over highlight or fixate on the bad as opposed to at times where we kind of paper over the good. Do you think it's fair to say that? Because that was my reaction that, look, I was frustrated by the as the weekend as anybody else was. But I also, you know, have a memory and a brain. And I remember this Leafs team taking care of business against the Avs in years past. So do you think we maybe... Again, no one wants to hear this this morning, but do you think maybe there's a touch overreaction to to the way this weekend went, specifically the Avs game? Okay, maybe a touch. I mean, you're, but you're right. At, at the Leafs, hey, they're, they can be as skilled a team as there is in the NHL. We've seen them take on anyone and had the most exciting games, most skilled games. Um, they're not they're not as deep as a number of teams in the NHL, but they can be as skilled. So yes, you know, I, I've seen all that. The only thing is the three nothing lead. I'm sorry, at home is a three nothing lead. That you know you've got you've got to figure a way to play with a three nothing lead to preserve a three nothing lead and and uh, so yeah so the stars didn't show up but they they almost you, you know after the first period uh, you, you almost didn't have to show up to come back and win the game there's just a, a consistent team style in in holding and don't get me wrong Colorado's got some really skilled players it's not like they're going to sit back in that so that's the part that was disappointing about. You know, Saturday, I, and, and again, I, I don't, I'm not making light of Samsonov. I really give the guy a lot of credit last night making some big saves. I thought that was, you know, I, I felt good for the individual. It's too bad that when the crowd showed him that kind of appreciation, which was neat, that mm-hmm. game-winning goal came like eight seconds later. But, uh, you know, but again, again, when you make a save like that, shouldn't the team, like, shouldn't, shouldn't you get a kick-ass opportunity the other way? Isn't that what we say? Not, yep. not, a, not a kick-ass opportunity against you again eight seconds later, but again, you know, just, just not being careful enough with the puck in your own end. That's where it started. Yeah, n- not ideal. Uh, it is. Uh, we're getting whiplash watching this season. Four-game winning streak, three-game losing streak, and uh, now they go to Alberta. Some high-profile games coming up this week uh, before Hockey Day in Canada on Saturday. Gordo, always great to chat. Thanks, man. See you, gentlemen. Have a great week. You too. There's Gord Stelic. So they're a point up on the Red Wings and Lightning for third in the Atlantic Division. Games in hand, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. 
but it's like, yeah, it just looks precarious, right? Like, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like there's a huge buffer on them <laughs> and the outside of the playoffs looking in. You know what it's like? You talk about it looking precarious. Have you seen those? Have you seen, like, uh, it's like, you know, look careful of the perception you see things through, and you'll see a picture of a guy, and it looks like he's like a rock climber, and he's like hanging off, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, he could fall to his death at any moment. And then you just take the picture from a slightly different angle and, oh, look at that. His butt is touching the ground, basically, because, yeah, it's fine. So, yeah, it's like that's how precarious it looks. From a very particular angle, you can look at it and go, the least might miss the playoffs. You don't need to worry about it, folks. I guess. Here's what it does, though. Like, being in this position, having not built up the point equity that, like, a Bruins team has Mm -hmm. or... To a lesser extent, the Panthers. Panthers needed that big run to to supersede the Leafs for second in the Atlantic Division. But they, yeah, they they've looked more the part for the majority of this season than the Leafs have. You put yourself in a danger area if you suffer, God forbid, yep. a serious injury. Right? Like if you if there's a oh well, the Leafs had this horrible month, but it's because of the Austin Matthews. I don't even want to mm-hmm. say the name mm-hmm. or like you shouldn't have then. Even even though this team has put forth blame pretty, Ben when this happens, people. They put forth pretty good efforts without him, and we all go back to that month span they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played without Morgan Riley last year as one of their best defensive months mm-hmm. of the entire season a year ago. I get that. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, here's what's even worse. Like a goal, t- Martin Jones mm-hmm. goes down, God forbid. And like Joseph Wall's not ready to return. Or two goalies go down. Eli Samsonov's the number one goalie again. I get the hell to beast. It's fine. <laughs> like what you've done is put yourself in a position where it's like, oh, well, I know you know, they had this horrible record this month, but there's an obvious reason why. Oh, but it doesn't matter. The points are what they are. And all of a sudden you find yourself on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. Like you, the, the margin for error, it must be said, is quite slim. It is quite slim, but the two teams chasing them. Like, again, I just go to points percentage here. And to your point, like, if it's a different version of the Leafs, maybe the points percentage doesn't matter as much because you're going to see a different version of this team. But Leafs are at a 610 points percentage. That's what they have picked up. The Red Wings, team hottest on their heels, 570. The mm-hmm. team closest to the, them afterwards or close to the Leafs afterwards is Tampa at 557. And guess what? To your point, yeah, if it – and. If it is a season-ending type injury or into the second round of the playoffs type injury for one of those guys, guess what? Your season's probably over anyways. But if it's a month or it's the injury that we've seen where it takes one of these guys out, we have seen this team not only rise to the occasion there, but kind of thrive in those instances, quite frankly. It's jarring. It doesn't make a lick of sense, quite frankly, especially their record without Matthews. But they've proven that they can do it. So if it's, again, if it's some injury that's going to take them out into the playoffs or past the start of it, then, well, season's over. What are we even talking about here? But if it's just something that happens for a month or something along those lines, this team has proven they've been able to put it together with paper mache and, you know, everything else in in the past. And I don't see why this year's team wouldn't be able to do it in a similar fashion. It's probably too early to do this thought experiment, but I was thinking, like, what if the Leafs did make, miss the playoffs, which they have done? They, the Oilers have done during mm-hmm. the Connor McDavid era. Yep. Um, like this is year one of Brad Tree Living's tenure. Yeah, I mean, they, I'll they, tell you the first thing that happens. Well, yeah, obviously Sheldon Keith <laughs> would be fired. Like, like that's obvious, <laughs> yeah. though. Okay. But like that, it doesn't even need to be I don't said. Know, well, I don't know that if they're trending towards that. I don't know that that decision makes it to the to to the off season or to January or July one or whatever. Like, I think if it looks like this team could miss then 
that seat gets. And there's, you know, we've been doing the like, eh, is it a little warm? Is it in the warming tray, Sheldon's seat? If it, if this team finds itself like outside of a playoff position for any semblance of a length of time, I do mm. think that seat will get real hot. And yeah. that won't be a this summer conversation. No, I agree. If they're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, I, I would say though, if they're in a, a similar position to the, that they find themselves right now, and they're inside a playoff mm. position, is that still a trigger you pull? If you're if you're Brad for living, like if you're inside the playoffs and you're looking okay but not great, and like yep. you're you're very streaky, you go on little win streaks, and you occasionally show yourself uh, capable of hanging with the good teams. Because mm-hmm. as much as you want to talk about the final forty minutes against the Avalanche on Saturday, they've hung for more than sixty against yep. the Bruins at times this season. They've beaten the Panthers at home in a weirdo shootout game. Like <laughs> they've they've beaten good teams and they beat that Kings team yep. before they had lost eight consecutive. No, and now made the, them, okay, Leafs made them bad. Yeah, but like if you're if you're that team and you're but you're like in a playoff yep. position, would I, I wonder? where the conversation is as far as a coaching change at that point. So here's, I had this exact conversation with somebody last night. In my opinion, if you're, if you're Brad for living and you're sitting there thinking, "Mm, I don't know if it's his fault. And boy, how many times we said that before, if I don't know if it's his fault, but maybe a coaching change is the move here. I feel as though you owe Sheldon Keefe a trade that we all expect him to make that we think he's going to make. But if Brad for living and the Leafs gave Keith that contract extension merely as a placeholder, merely to, for lack of a better term, shut us all up, mm-hmm. and he's not as much of a believer as we were led to believe, then he should wait to make his trade until after, so he can kind of get two new coach bumps. You get the new coach bump, and then you get your sexy deadline acquisition bump. You could ideally do both of those things. I would do it in the opposite order. If I'm for living, I would want to make my trade and see what Sheldon Keith does with that version of my team before you go out. And the other part of it as well is at this point in time, and I want to be clear where I'm advocating for this, I don't think Sheldon Keefe is a problem. I don't think they need to make a coaching change. Talk to me after the season. We'll see how all that goes. But right now, I do not think he's a problem. But let's say they are mulling it over now. Who is the coach that's not going to be there a month from now? Right. That they that they have to jump the gun to go higher. You big believer in Woodcroft or somebody along those lines. Craig Barubi would be the guy, right? Okay. A guy with a cup. So yeah, do somebody you, who is playoff proven. So the team I would have worried about poaching him was the Sens. But they have Jacques Martin in place. They're not mm-hmm. going to hire Craig Barubi in the middle of the season. That if that's the guy you believe, it, show me the team that you think is primed and ready to fire their coach and go hire that guy that you need to move first on that. If you think you need to make a coaching change, fine. I don't agree, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's crazy or a bad idea. But you need, need, need to make your trade first, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you disagree. No, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think I love that, to guess what you're going to say before you say <laughs> I know you do that. Here you jump the gun on that. Um, no, I, I don't think Sheldon keeps a bad coach, and I don't think he's the reason why this team finds itself middling in the standings with all the talent that they possess. And as Gord rightly points out, the lack of serious injuries mm-hmm. that they've suffered. They've been a very healthy club. The one injury they suffered has been very helpful to them. And John Klingberg uh, and his cap number being well, removed from the uh, equation. Joe, the, Joe Wall yeah, is the th- one injury. Thanks. Yeah, that's, yeah, they just lost the starting okay, goalie. But, yeah. I mean, can you... Really quibble with that when you're talking about Martin Jones filling the starter's role more than admirably. Like, yeah, so, okay, they suffered a pretty significant injury to the guy who is always suffering injuries. Um, it also should be mentioned and is an unproven uh, starter in the National Hockey League, but in his time there has been very good. Mm-hmm. But you've gotten better than cromulent play out of Martin Jones. So, yeah, I, I don't 
worry about that. I just, you see it time and time again. It's happened in this, like, yep. Chris Knobloch's going to win a Jack Adams well, award. Well, I mean, that's a little... Well, what? What is it? A little. He I mean, has the team the that, greatest player in the history of the his Leafs generation. have the greatest score in the in of this generation, and somebody that may one day surpass Wayne Gretzky, right? And yeah. is on a better uh, rate than Alex Ovechkin yeah. was. Okay, so so don't talk to me about having a great player and oh, well, we can just slough that off as nothing. They lost to the Sharks with okay. Jay Woodcroft. Okay, right. okay. No, I just look at the history of this league, even this season. That yeah, you would do it if you really did feel like this team needed a punch in the gut because there's no there's no significant wake-up call coming when it comes to the core four. Obviously, William Nylander ain't going anywhere for the next eight Marner's years. Not. Marner, Matthews. This is the only way to do it okay. is by firing the coach. Well, here's the other part of this question then is that is Tri- we talk uh, we talk all the time about Treliving. Is he willing to use his bullet for Easton Cowan, mm-hmm. Fraser Minton, you know, f- the first round pick uh, when my kid is eligible for the draft? Because apparently that's the next one they have available to trade. Okay, like they they have very limited resources, and we talk. Oh, you know, is this the year the tree wants to use that bullet? Is this the year he wants to push in? Is this the season he wants? Because it feels. No, but I think it, you're making the argument for me because no, you do not want to trade yet another first round pick, another yeah. prospect because so the think- cupboard is bare. But here's what you can do: something at your disposal. And I know he, he yeah, they yeah. tacked another sure. year onto his deal. That's like no, it's that, not. It's just that, literally that's just money. Less than nothing. I think even most teams around the NHL would view one more year yeah. of a coach's contract. That's that's like yeah, unless you're the Coyotes, right? Like right. that's. No, that's the, every team in the league has no problem no, firing what, a head coach. I, I agree with what you're saying. The thing I look at, though, is do we view it differently? Not You're right. If Look, if the if they make a coaching change and the coach comes in and berubies it up and forget about winning a cup, they just make it to a conference final, mm-hmm. great, excellent job, best decision ever made. But I think let's say it doesn't and they bow it in the first round or guess what? They went around and they're in the exact same place, losing in the second round again. It feels different to me, and maybe this is just perception, maybe it wouldn't feel different, but it feels different of firing a coach in season and using that bullet, using one of your shots as the GM, then it does. Okay. Season ran its course. We tried this once. We're going to start again. I, I suppose they're in the exact same position of Tre living on his second coach. But to me, it does feel differently what, using that, that, that bullet in season. Oh, but you think that the, the, the timer starts counting down on Brad Tre living a he little bit. That? I yeah, think here's the, here's the thing. The timer's already counting down on Brad True Living. Like, there's nothing... You can't play well, this thing safe. To, I mean, you need to believe the timer is on on the guy above him for the, sure, to believe sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. I guess. Whatever. No, this is not a, a, a job that you should feel comfortable in having for the next decade I plus. agree. But I don't think someone start... I, I think it's the same reason we're having all these conversations about Minton and about Cowan and is this the year. Now, I totally see the point you're making about you can use a chip that doesn't actually cost you anything, but mm-hmm. I think it wouldn't cost the organization anything, but what would it cost Brad for living? I, I, I don't think, I mean, if they don't win without a coaching change, it's the same conversation around Brad for living. I to think me. I, if I, they miss the playoffs I, with oh, Brad for living I mean, in his first season, of course, if like, they what's the, the worst conversation? Oh, they yeah. fired yeah, their, but their I don't, coach and brought in, but I Craig Berube and they lost in the first round anyways. Ooh, Brad, for living, good effort. No, it's the I mean, same I do, conversation. Well, but I do think we feel differently about, okay, so you're just running it back and the coach who's already been here and couldn't get them over the hump. Like, I, I think there's something to it. I think for living has to really think that that's the problem mm. for him to pull the trigger it's there. It's never the problem, though, really. Like, do we think so. Jay Woodcroft is no, like an incompetent head coach? That's the thing. It's not about Sheldon Keith being the problem because it's never the problem. I mean, rarely it's the problem.
I mean, it does feel like they're a little different team in Vancouver now that they've moved on to mm. Rick Tockett. Um, but, yeah, I mean, our boy Gabby was being told to play yeah, Quinn exactly. Hughes so. at, at center. So also, I, also, know. Gabby, here. Yeah, I know. Give that to us. I, it would have been nice. <laughs> Anywho, all right. When we come back, uh, four six of the way through, super wild card weekend, perhaps two more today. Mother Nature in the NFL teaming up to make sure wild card mm. weekend lasts Forever. And yeah. the Super Bowl has never played. Yeah. I, I, they got to send Patrick Mahomes' helmet to Canton, right? Like that thing. Has to. <laughs> well, especially if they win yet oh, another God. Super Bowl oh, wait, this year. Just stop talking because I need to talk about the NFL All so right. bad. Okay, that's coming up next. <laughs> the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Sports and 5-9, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So I mentioned that this super wildcard weekend did not have an obvious stinker on the slate. Turns out it's only been one game that's been all that competitive. Mm-hmm. And it was last night's game. Yeah. As the Detroit Lions. What a ball game. I won a playoff game for the first time in 32 years. There's really just like nothing not to like about that team. Like Dan Campbell, amazing. I, uh, as a, as a hater of things. Yeah. If you, sucks find, for you. no, no, I got like, even I, mm. even I, it's like the Grinch is, and his, and his heart grew to exist. Not even two sizes. It just went from non-existent to existing because of Dan Campbell and the lions. Like even me who loves to hate things, loves to find the thing that it, I was just complaining to you guys in the break about she who shall not be named. Cause I don't want the Swifties after me. Like I, I will complain about anything and everything. I look at this Lions team with unabashed joy. How can you not? Part of it is like, I spent some time in Windsor. I know a ton of Lions fans down there. I feel I loved roasting them for the entirety of my time in Windsor. And I feel so happy for them this morning. How can there, if you Mm -hmm. are not a Rams fan, which like, who are they? Did they exist? Mm-hmm. If you're yeah, not a Rams... Like the St. Louis people, yeah. did they continue their fandom? I love Stan Kroenke. No, yeah, you probably, probably don't. Okay, so unless you're a Rams fan, shout out to the seven of them that exist. All casuals, all neutrals mm-hmm. had to be pulling for for the Lions in this one. So happy for them. Yeah, it's a great, great story. Um, it was a very, very close game. Yeah, things break a little differently and Dan Campbell does the thing that I I probably would have done in his position mm. and accept the penalty and and have him try and kick and Brett Maher try yep. try and you know give the Rams the lead with a long field goal indoors mm-hmm. yeah maybe the Lions don't come back and and win the football game instead they accept the penalty oh and Puganakua just barely misses yep. holding on <laughs> maybe it's a different scenario but no they they win the football game and in an nfc outside of the the 49ers that looks pretty winnable could they make an nfc championship game well, i think pretty clearly uh so good for them good for for the lions there's not one thing to to nitpick um about that team and that game and that that market uh certainly is an nfl uh market all right what, what was the other game that to you stood out the most over the weekend I think it has to be, I mean, Chiefs Dolphins was the one I was initially most interested in, but I think if we're doing like takeaways, it has to be Packers Cowboys. It is America's team. They used to be the team America loved. Now they're the team America loves to watch lose. Uh, 
I I wrote down in my notes, is there any team as fun to make fun of in sports as the Dallas Cowboys? And then I, I quickly deleted it from the doc because I realized uh, it's the Leafs for everybody else. But Yeah, we but no, the, the, I was thinking about that exact They're parallel. Canada's Cowboys. No, but... They are. I, okay, here's the problem, though, sure. right? Like, oh, winning. the Cowboys haven't won since, yeah. what, 96? Yeah. yeah, it's the winning. Okay, they, they have won. Like, I remember the winning tenure of the yes. Dallas Cowboys. Triplets, where for I, sure. Yeah, I never, I never lived through it for the... Like, there's... You should feel sorry for Leaf fans, not you know, not ganging up to make fun of Leaf fans. Where it's no, like that'd the, be so much worse. The <laughs> the shackles are off making fun of the Cowboys so and good. their fans, it's even the though like a twenty year old doesn't know about the winning. So what? Like you you don't get to complain about your franchise not being through a winning window when you're in your right. early twenties, anyways. So no, there I I push back. I disagree mm. that there is a way more unabashed rooting against the Cowboys and the Yankees for that matter. Because there's there's not even an, an iota of anybody who's paid attention to sports over the last 30 years Itch. that that doesn't, you know, at least remember the times when they were good. So th- there's no sympathy it at should, all for the fans of those franchises. It should be the same way. I'm just, I mean, and this is just the Canada conversation of it all. It's that there there is no world where anybody in Vancouver, Ottawa... Edmonton, Alberta, like anywhere in the country, pick your city, pick your province. They're going to go, oh, well, the Leafs fans haven't won, so it's different. No, they love, love, love to take joy in the Leafs in the Leafs' misery. So I think it's pretty similar. The winning, of course, piece of it isn't. But, yeah, I think just in terms of the way people – People line up when they see sure. when they see the start of the downfall. People are getting in line to get their jokes off, to get their tweet off, and I, I loved it last night watching well, that happen to the th- Cowboys. That's it. That's the difference. There's a righteous like laughing at a franchise as mm. opposed to okay, you're right. Th- this country, if you're not a Leaf fan, you you love to root against the Leafs. But like I said, yeah. you, you should be feeling sorry for Leaf fans. Okay, another way I kind of wanted to look at this, and this will allow us to touch on all the different games, is, and you can go back to Packers-Cowboys if you want with this, is if you had to pick one person, like who's the biggest loser of the weekend? Because, you know, people will go to Tua. People mm-hmm. go to Mike McCarthy. Mm-hmm. People go to Dak. I think I land on Dak as the biggest loser of the weekend. He didn't have a passing yard in the first quarter. He nearly had three picks before the game was ended. That, to me, was the biggest kind of loser of the weekend. But here's the thing. I mean, he ends up with over 400 yards and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, he's going to get paid too, right? And, like, I think everybody understands that, like, okay, you can pivot off Dak, but, Mm -hmm. like, to what? To what? Exactly, right? Mike McCarthy is the biggest loser well, because he's tenth, about to if be handed the, his walking paper. I was just going to say, if you think the 10th best quarterback in the NFL or whatever you think Dak is stinks, go have fun with right. the 27th or whatever you'd end up getting. Right. And I know Jerry Jones actually has been very loyal to his head coach. He's kind of been loath to move off of them. He's mm-hmm. not like the prototypical sports owner where you think like, you know, uh, like David Tepper, right? Like right. he's not David Teppering <laughs> it up where everybody is, you know, fired before they even get a, a year on the job. But it's like, nice to meet you. You will be fired. Six weeks to this date. Well, and to the point about, hey, you're not moving off Dak Prescott. And man, the defensive showing in that game, uh, considering how good they've been all season long, I mean, is the most notable thing. It might be why you go out and attach yourself to a Bill Mm. Belichick. Now, is Bill Belichick willing to acquiesce a significant amount of his power to Jerry Jones? And a football operations department that's had a lot more recent success than the Patriots have and just be the head coach? And can two personalities as outsized as those two coexist in one spot? Maybe not, but I'd love to see it. It's actually kind of perfect because 
let's say the world exists where Belichick is able to acquiesce and say, all right, I'm not a player personnel guy anymore. I'm just a coach. And I'm really kind of just a defensive coach. Like someone else is going to come in here and work with the offense. Belichick, I think, not that if there's any, there's no, in the moment, there's questioning of his legacy, but you know, part of what rubs people the wrong way, especially with how it ended in New England was the stubbornness, the unwillingness to let go of doing it a thousand percent your way. How much would it, put Belichick in a positive light to say, hey, look at me. I can acquiesce. I can change. And for Jerry Jones, it'd be him going, yeah, you guys think I don't have power anymore. You think I'm losing it a little bit? He's got the greatest of all time under my thumb doing exactly what I say. It's kind of best case scenario for both parties because guess what? Belichick, I'm not saying he'd love the feeling of being under one anyone's thumb in the moment but he will for sure love it when he picks up his 16th win as Cowboys head coach. I'm not saying he's doing that in one year to get past Don Shula for all time and give him as good a chance as anywhere else to go get that other ring. I actually think it'd be a perfect scenario. They'd ha- there'd be, there'd have to be some uncomfortability on both sides part because yeah. big personalities and all that. But I actually think in terms of a PR kind of spin win, kind of perfect for both parties. Yeah. And the initial thought is, oh, well, Jerry Jones can't be as vocal. Robert Kraft's pretty vocal, right? Like mm-hmm. not just at the end of the season, like Robert Kraft is available for, uh, for, media requests, right, throughout the entirety of Bill Belichick's tenure in New England. So not a totally dissimilar situation with with an owner with an outsized impact on a franchise. All right, let's talk about the fourth coldest game in NFL postseason history in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. For a Chiefs team that, okay, doesn't look like the the best offensive version of themselves, but considering it was minus 20, Mm. Rasheed Rice looking like a pretty legitimate number one Threat in the passing game, and Travis Kelsey dropped three uh, three balls, but mm-hmm. like he's he's there doing stuff as well. And yeah, the Dolphins being the all time fraud of frauds, uh, and yeah, it is telling that they won the fraud bowl against the Cowboys. Both teams mm-hmm. frauding their way out of the the postseason in uh, on Wild Card Weekend. Um, it was very cold. Yes, no precipitation. Yes. Do we enjoy? Weirdo weather games. Uh, yes, but I want. I don't want to see a team like the Dolphins in them. I want a weird weather game where it's affecting both sides to a certain extent equally if I'm going to want it. I also want something visual about it. And sorry. But Andy Reid's mustache wasn't visual enough for you? No, I'm good on that. The the snotsicle that was going on uh, on, on top. Of, and, you know, I love a good mustache. But that one was a little un, unsettling for me. I love a snow game. I'll even take a monsoon game. Like you sometimes get the great clip of a guy sliding into the end zone. The water's going up and it looks like a slip and slide. That's all great. When it's cold, after I've laughed at Mike McDaniel 10 times of looking like the coldest person that's ever been cold, it's kind of okay. Yeah, it's just a dreary game. Guys aren't moving around a lot. I would way rather a a snow globe game than something like that. You haven't seen one in a while because you're forgetting that. Yeah. It's like the first five minutes of a snow game is like, Oh my God, how cool is this? It's really cool. And then like minute six, you're like, Oh, this sucks. Oh, as opposed to the aesthetic dream that was that. No, you're, you're capable of making plays, even the dolphins. And they probably should have gone back to this play where like they threw to Mm Tyreek Hill, like down the field. Like they were capable of making plays where it's just like, it's not a possibility when it's a blizzard. Yeah. To, to me, give me that game a hundred times out of a hundred over the game where it's it's you know accumulating ten centimeters of snow over the course of a sixty minute football mm-hmm. game. I'm just ready. I'm just readying myself for the the Steelers to to win today. 
and the Chiefs to their playoff road to be playing a team that uh, basically practices on the equator in minus kajillion uh, and then a home game against the Steelers. That is that that's a path I could easily see coming for them. And where we all sit here talking about how great Patrick Mahomes is. And then six weeks time, I'm or three weeks time. I'm talking about how easy his path was. That is what I'm just stealing myself and readying myself for it. But you'll be happy to know this because I've been so anti chiefs and Mahomes. I did do the only thing that could pull me to their side of the equation uh, before wildcard weekend started. That was bet them at nine to one to win the Super Bowl. So yeah. I won't be too upset if they uh, they go on this run. Yeah, well, I, I don't think you should e- you should be too surprised either, considering yeah, okay you- the, the Ravens are there and the, the you know you want to talk about Dak Prescott's uh, uh, checkered postseason resume. He has more postseason wins than Lamar Jackson, who has one. Did you see that stat about the Texans? That the Texans now have more postseason wins since their inaugural season than the Cowboys do in that time frame. Yeah, that's Yikes. rough. I mean, Wolf. there's okay. You know what the Texans are, and maybe we'll wrap yeah. up the, M- the CJ NFL Stroud team. Yeah. No, no. Well, what they are are the Toronto Maple Leafs. If they had won oh. that first postseason series they beat against the Caps. Alex Ovechkin and the President's Trophy winning mm. Washington Capitals, all would have been different. I mean, it's the, the the pressure thing is not an exact parallel, um, but nobody expects them to nope. run through an AFC this season. It's possible again, considering the team at the tippy top and considering the flaws that exist within the Chiefs and the Bills, if they're able to get through a weirdo game uh, of their own making tonight or this afternoon against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But yeah, the the you've established already in year one that anything is possible with with CJ Stroud. Yeah, you have. It's uh, It was a guy who showed you that the sky was the limit all season long, got hurt at the tail end of the year, and then you never know how playoffs are going to look. But shout out Jordan Love, shout out CJ Stroud, looking very, very ready for uh, big moments early on in their careers. Time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Raptors back at home after that long six-game road trip. And what better way to return home than against the top team in the Eastern Conference? The Boston Celtics are six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. The total, 241-and-a-half in this game, Brent. Uh, I would love to sit here and tell you, ooh, Raps are going to find a way to cover. But thing I'm feeling most confident about is that overhitting uh, 241 and a half, you know, bit of a higher number. But we just talked about it. Raptors team not stopping. They're ba- they're playing a faster game, more possessions involved. And the Celtics, uh, they could fill it up as well as anybody. You know, Jason Tatum, certainly a scary proposition uh, for a Raptors team that no longer has OG Ananobi. So that's the thing I'm most confident about in that game. Give me the over uh, two. Uh, 241 and a half is the total there and uh, the line minus 115. Yeah, I actually will take the points considering the Celtics. Yeah, they, they're perfect 19 and 0 at home, but 11 and 9 away from Boston. Also against the spread below 500 on the road, 7, 11 and 2 against the spread. And it's, usually you get the team coming back home after the long road trip, a little sleepy, but this, this is a Raptors team that I think feels disappointed with the way that road trip ended and you're going to get their best effort against uh, the Eastern Conference's best. All right. I guess they're going to dig themselves out of uh, Highmark Stadium. Allegedly. Orchard Park. Uh, And when they do, the Bills will play the Steelers in the first of two more wildcard games this weekend. Bills 10-point 
favorites against the Steelers, the total 38 and a half, Brent. I'm going back to the total. Uh, it's a snow game. Give me the under, not only because of the snow, but because of these two teams. Uh, Buffalo's allowed 17 or fewer in three of their last five. The Steelers, they've allowed 11 points or fewer in two of their last three games. So uh, add them up there, and I feel pretty confident. Throw in the fact that it's a snow game. Throw in the fact that maybe both these offenses try to slow play it a little bit. Give me the under there. Feeling really good about that. I know. Give me the points. Man. Okay. Points, 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 points. I mean, is there a Bills fan alive that thinks this is going to be an easy game, despite the fact that the uh, Steelers? Just, just that guy who uh, I hope he's still with us, who was shirtless shoveling the snow uh, and going down the slide yesterday. No, I mean, the Steelers at every turn should be bad, uh, should not be in the post season but here they are with the negative point differential they've been really good against the spread this season 10 and 7 now give me the Steelers to cover but not win the Bills pull it out but uh, do not cover the 10 point spread which is the largest of the weekend and the final wild card game has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home hosting an Eagles team that looks like one of the worst teams in the NFL the last couple of weeks of the season but are still three point favorites on the road the total 43 I can't believe I'm going to do this. Uh, A.J. Brown, uh, very doubtful, if not completely out for this game. But Eagles, minus three spread, plus 100 odds. Give it to me there. I think the Eagles find a way to cover in this game. They are not the team we thought of early on in this season, but they are for sure. I can't believe I'm about to say it, but they are for sure. Better than the Bucs. Give me the Eagles to cover in this one. Yeah, they better be better than the team that needed a win in week 18 <laughs> against the Panthers and can only put up nine points. Yeah, my goodness. If you're allowing big point totals to that Bucks team, you got issues, which they might. But no, I, I'd also lay the three points on the road. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back. Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com. As the fan morning show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.